Sunspots Comics Now. This issue of the Sunspots Comics podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Cryptid Zoo at cryptidzoo.com. Cryptid Zoo is basically a t-shirt line that's uniquely and strangely infused with augmented reality, and it's inspired by cryptozoology folklore figures like the Bigfoot. All the shirts are designed and hand screen printed on 100% cotton pre-shrunk t-shirts by the artist and owner of Cryptid Zoo, our friend Julian Meyer. You gotta see it. You hover your smartphone over the shirt and it does stuff on the screen. It's pretty crazy. It just comes to life. You gotta see it. So please check out cryptidzoo.com and also use the promotional code Sunspots Comics. That's right. And you'll get 30% off your purchase. Most of the Cryptid Zoo shirts are about 27 bucks. So it's a great deal. And that's with tax and shipping included before the discount. So don't forget, use Sunspots Comics as your promo code on cryptidzoo.com and you'll get a big discount. And that is C-R-Y-P-T-I-D-Zoo.com. You know the day destroys the night. (laughs) Hello there, you're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 122, covering the new comic books that came out on this Wednesday, new comic book day, August 30th. And this particular podcast is coming at you live from the very surface of the sun. Yes, it's been that hot. I am your moderately hydrated comic book loving host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining us right here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast. And if you live in the Southern California area like me, I hope that you are staying cool. Because, man, it's Hades, let me tell you. (laughs) Well, here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, using hundreds of years of comic book reading experience... And presenting in my own unique, kind of positively charged kind of way, we recommend, review, and discuss our favorite picks of the best new comic books that just came out. And so by the end of this podcast, you're definitely going to know what the best stuff is, so you can just go get it and save some time, save some money, and fill your lives with the joy that the best new comic books often bring. So, thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a nerd-loving person that you know... That to never miss an issue of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, all you got to do is subscribe to it and follow along all of our social medias. We're on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Xbox Live, and the YouTube, all at one place, at Sunspots Comics. So yes, find us there. Two quick thank yous, of course, the first to the dude, the fella, always singing our, our Sunspots Comics theme song, Nick Papa George. He is, uh, and can be found, he's a fantastic musician, check his stuff out at facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. And also thank you to my son, Justin Jables Latori for his work on their brand new, our spinoff. Our Sunspots Comics world is expanding to a brand new podcast called Sunspots Scene. And it's run by my son, Jables, and his two guests, Moises and Matt, co-hosting with him. They're all about movies and TV shows of all genres, not just comic books. So if you've subscribed to us on the feed, you're already going to see it. It's called Sunspots Scene. Check it out. Hosted by my son, Jable. So proud of you. And also thank you uh, to Justin for doing our blog. Please check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com. And also follow him on Instagram at just sunspot so you can see when he's posting Sunspot's scene. It's usually going to be every Wednesday for the most part, but, you know, he's still finding his way there and how it's all going to work, etc. And working out with his school schedule and work schedule. But for the most part, he's probably going to be posting Sunspot's scene podcasts every Wednesday. So... Tune on in. If you already subscribed to the feed, you don't have to worry about it. You're already going to get it. So let's jump into the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 122, starting with some stuff floating around in my nerd brain. Yes, the first nugget of nerd that's in there lodged 
I can't seem to get it out, <laughs> is uh, some comic book, movie, and TV news. Yes, yes, yes. So I've read a couple of articles on this, but primarily the one that uh, gave me the most meat and juicy tasty bits is from CosmicBookNews.com. And basically, Sony Pictures is developing a Night Watch movie. This is based on a Marvel character that came out in the early 90s. And the rumor that flo that's floating around is that Spike Lee, the director Spike Lee, is potentially the, the dude taking the realm here, taking the, the, uh, the bull by its horns in the Marvel Cinematic Universe here, in the Sony Marvel Cinematic Universe, and creating this this Nightwatch movie. So there's just rumors kind of floating around. They've, there's been some talk about uh, Sony executives and other Sony development teams grabbing up a bunch of Nightwatch comics to kind of absorb the character. And so more to come, I'm sure, in that, but it's going to be in the Sony Spider-Verse. So we're going to have, you know, Venom, Carnage, Silver Sable, Black Cat, and uh, at writing right now is Edward Rycourt. He did Wayward Pines and Jessica Jones. And again, the rumor Spike Lee is potentially jumping in, I think is kind of cool. He's a you know a veteran in the business, and so he could very well bring a unique take to this character. And so Nightwatch is one that very few people know about. Here we go now, just quickly into the Nightwatch origin story. So Nightwatch was created by Terry Cavanaugh and Alex Saviuk. And his premiere was in February of 1993, Web of Spider-Man issue 97. And his, I remember the sort of controversy was when Todd McFarlane split and left Marvel. Marvel was obviously not happy about this. And it was months after Spawn had been released in 93 that they came out with Nightwatch that looked identical to Spawn's outfit. And even the issue number one of Nightwatch was in the exact sort of sort of position that the spawn issue number one character was standing in i mean it was just they were obviously pissed that mcfarlane left and left them hanging with spider-man so they came out with this character i know that he his powers he has enhanced strength and agility and and some invisibility and shape-shifting and some enhanced reflexes due to these i remember like nanites that live within him so it can self-repair self-replicate in this sort of night watch armor and he, there was this, the origin is uh, this Dr. Kevin Trench was his name. He saw this costumed guy die in this battle with terrorists. And he was there witnessing this battle and he pulled the mask off of the dead man on the ground that, uh, that was able to stop the terrorists. And it was himself. It was Kevin Trench, Dr. Kevin Trench, an older version of himself. And that's what I remember. So he kind of freaked out and... He wanted to change his future in that if he never wore the Night Watch suit, then he would never die that day. So there was always that sort of strange uh, flash, you know, in time that gave him a glimpse of himself. And so he always tried to stay out of the suit. But I remember that after it was a couple of issues where he didn't step into the Night Watch suit, but eventually did. And I do remember him being in the Maximum Carnage series. Also, he was a he was kind of an important character in that Maximum Carnage series, which I haven't read in years but was a ton of ton of fun and then he spun off and had his own short-lived series but anyway there's a little bit of a, just a kind of a snapshot of the night when or night watch origin story but again uh, the rumor in the rumor mill stirring is that sony pictures is going to do a night watch film potentially with mr spike lee so interesting story and that's all there is closing the comic book movie and TV news section, just one little thing this week. But also on my nerd brain, besides it being 1047 degrees out there, 
I, I went to Long Beach Comic Con and it was actually cool. <laughs> and uh, thank you to my friend Mike Norris for accompanying me. It was we had a great time. And I'm so glad that I didn't go to the early press day. There was a I was invited to this come out to the come out on Friday to this early press day. And if you have interviews set up, you can meet folks there. Well, I'm glad I missed it because I heard that the air conditioning was out that day and it was a hundred and million degrees. So I kind of dodged a bullet there and I was happy with that. So I ended up just going um, Saturday. It was a much smaller turnout, I think, just because of the heat here in L.A., but that gave some great room between the aisles, I thought, so I enjoyed that, and so did my buddy Mike. Easier for shopping and for finding things. And I didn't actually go to the panels this year. I was a little disappointed by, by, by the the sort of lack of panels and panels that, that maybe interested me, which for me, it was all kind of in the realm of... What interests me as far as panels go right now is the making of comic books, how to color, how to become a writer, how to better your writing skills, how to better your storytelling ability, how to present comics, how to break into comics, those sort of things, which are always pretty standard in most of the cons nowadays. It, unfortunately, Long Beach Comic Con did not have a lot of this, but uh, that was fine. There was plenty of, uh, of shopping to do. There was some great headlining people there. Tony Harris was one for me. Uh, and I'm going to give you some of the highlights right now, just quickly, of the things that I enjoyed that were kind of off the beaten path. That's what I always sort of look for. I go to a lot of cons. So I'm looking for standout things. And the first thing was I got to meet Jody Hauser. She is the writer of the DC Comics Young Animal title, Mother Panic. Also, she does uh, Faith from Valiant. And we had a quick little chit-chat. She signed this variant Comic-Con exclusive cover of, my, of Mother Panic issue number one, which I'll show a picture of it online very soon. I did a little, I, you know, a little short impromptu interview because I asked her for a little formal interview for the podcast, but she said that she cannot. Uh, she has to have the, the podcast approved by someone in DC Comics or a committee or something. So a little bit of a bummer there. But I did have a nice little chit-chat with her, asked her about how does it how is it like working with Gerard Way, formerly of My Chemical Romance, but he is the, the head primary core writer and creator for the DC Animal uh, imprint, Young Animal imprint. And she said he's the coolest boss ever, and she kind of shared a, a quick little story, and she was super nice and, and very kind, and she signed this for me and gave me this, this variant cover of... Mother Panic issue number one. So that was very cool. Definite highlight. I, I just nerded out there for a minute. <laughs> uh, the second one is I met an up-and-coming artist who was really inspiring and super nice. His name was Dominic Glover. And he's just, it just has this unique paneling framework. And actually, I'm just going to run the interview. I interviewed with him. Uh, it just, he, I stuck my mic in front of his face. We had a nice little conversation. Uh, but check out Dominic Glover on the, all over the internet at the Dominic Glover check them out but here's the interview i so super enjoyed it thanks again dominique but here you go here's me interviewing an up-and-coming artist dominique glover enjoy all right i'm here at long beach comic-con 2017 i'm standing in front of dominique glover he's an artist here that's got a pretty just rocking booth that really caught my eye so i wanted to stop and say hello how you doing dominique pretty good so tell me a little bit about your influences where you went to school um how you learned to draw this good <laughs> like just a few things that pop in your head well i uh I grew up, learned how to, you know, read through comic books. That's how I grew up. And, you know, as you're, you know, trying to, you know, learn how to read, of course, I was one of those kids that wanted to redraw all the panels and stuff like that. And um, I, I was actually uh, taking some of the uh, mailing classes with the Joe Kubert School of Art from uh, New Jersey. And and uh, in the back of one of my comic books, I, I saw that, uh, you know, some of the best comic book artists come from a graphic design background. And so that's kind of why I uh, decided to go to school for graphic design. So I went to school at the Platt School of Design in Colorado. So that's where I currently live right now. And 
Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in graphic design and web design, but currently, the past five years, I've been doing a lot of illustration. So I've illustrated three children's books. I've been drawing covers for independent comic book publishers. Um, been doing stuff uh, independently as far as like board games and people have hired me to design uh, mobile character designs for mobile video games and stuff like that. Um, Share with me a little bit about your process. You know, I'm looking at this and I'll post it, of course, so people can see it, but maybe just a little breakdown, some peek into your process. Yeah. So coming from uh, the graphic design background, like I kind of uh, always prioritize composition and kind of, you know, where does your where does your eye look like when you, you know, view a piece. So I always try to make sure that, you know, what what's the focal point here and how do I make it so that when a person looks at the piece, they follow through through the drawing. So that's, you know, making sure that there's enough negative space, making sure that, you know, I'm incorporating the golden ratio into my pieces. So design's a big, big part of every single piece here is, you know, I, it doesn't matter what the character is necessarily. It's does the design fit for the piece. Uh, you know, if you pick a specific character or a subject, I, you know, the design is the important thing. I can't help but notice that some of your art has some very symmetrical framework done. Where did that come from? Is that all you? Is that some of, like, what, what drew you to draw that style? Because I love it. Well, um, I actually have uh, done a bunch of training with J. Scott Campbell. He lives in Colorado as well. And, you know, he kind of uh, educated me and kind of coached me on do something that separates yourself from others. And he's like, you know, you're a graphic designer. That's your background that also knows how to draw. So let like, why don't you incorporate that design skill? And, you know, in design school, we, you know, learn how to create these cool symmetrical T-shirt-like designs. So that's kind of like where that inspiration came from was how can I just separate myself from the crowd? Like, you know, a lot of people are drawing Batman, Spider-Man. What, what's that little notch I can put in just to grab someone's eye when, you know, they see my piece and... Uh, you know, fortunately, it seems to be that design sense when I design these, you know, stylistic frames that go with them. I think it'll do you well when it comes to paneling. Have you done a lot of work, like, in panels yet? Um, not in panels yet, but with children's books. I've noticed it's made a huge difference. Uh, like, I pumped out a 24-page children's book, and I don't know if you know the whole process with children's books, but they usually take about a year. You know, there's it's very similar to uh, comic books, but it's you know, it's dealing with the psychology of children, you know? So every, where you place the words, how the words are placed, where you place, you know, the images, um, you know, the gender race of characters, the color psychology, those are all the important things that are incorporated in children's books is, you know, cause you're, you're dealing with a child's mind, you know? It's, it's how, how do you get the child to pick up this book over and over and over and how do you have the image of a children's book communicate to these children, you know? like. Um, if you've, you know, followed Scotty Young, he's a guy that, you know, talks about this with his Wizard of Oz books and stuff like that. Like, he's a good guy that I've learned from and talked to personally and asked him, where, how do you transition this to children's books? So. Have you, have you seen Scotty Young's I Hate Fairyland? Yeah, I have. I've read a few of those issues, and yeah, I love them. It's, it's, uh, it's different than his Wizard of Oz stuff, but it's still great, you know. So what are some of your influences? I see even, like, a little Don Bluth in your in your cartooning style for the kids stuff is this behind you is that some of the work in your children's book yeah yeah so some of this behind me is some of the work from my children's books but um i actually uh i've done a bunch of classes with uh steven silver so i don't know if you're familiar with him but steven silver did like the character design for like kim possible 
uh, Danny Phantom, the Proud Family. He's worked with Kevin Smith to do the Clerks cartoon. So I actually took a three-month course with him, like Skyping back and forth. And then we met in person for two weeks where I took, had two weeks in classes with him. And he kind of taught me my cartooning style. And, uh, and yeah, it transitions really well when you, you know, you're just doing character designs for you know, board games or mobile apps, stuff like that. I can definitely see your versatility, you know, that you're trying to be able to. I saw a page in here where you had like nine hands, and I know a lot of artists struggle with it. Was this just a work study for you? Was that something to get some practicing with the hands going? Well, when you're trying to, you know, be a freelance illustrator, you know, you can either zero in on one style, one thing, or you can just try to be, you know, the Renaissance man, like, you know, the Swiss Army knife of an artist, and that's, I, that's what I'm trying to do. And um, that hands piece was actually someone, you know, saw my Poison Ivy. And they're like, hey, we, we have a fine art gallery. I don't know if the superhero stuff will fit in here, but what can you do that's fine art? And so that, the hands piece was one of those. And, and it was uh, last year, and they kind of wanted a political statement. So if you look at the hands piece here, you know, the base of the piece is a bunch of hands coming out of the United States. And so my, my political statement here was pick your weapon. So in the, in the image here, we have, you know, a hand holding a microphone, a, a hand holding a pencil, uh, you know, pointing the finger. So that was, that was kind of the goal of this gallery. So it was a bunch of uh, illustrators, painters, fine artists, photographers that are making political statements with their artwork. And they chose me, the children's book illustrator, to, you know, give it a go at something more realistic, uh, you know, fine arts looking. They had to be happy with this piece. I mean, in my opinion, the only thing you're missing is, you know, spidey fingers, you know, web action. <laughs> but other than that, it's a great, interesting-looking piece. Well, thank you for your time, and I appreciate it. We're going to buy some of your art today. Where can everybody find you? Tell our listeners where they can find your stuff. So you can find me on DominicGlover.com, so similar to Danny Glover or Donald Glover. So it's D-O-M-I-N-I-C. And then if you look me up on Facebook or Instagram and Something I like to do with all my fans on my Facebook and Instagram is I let you guys pick what I draw each month. So last month was Rick and Morty. This month was Samurai Jack. So, yeah, if you guys want to follow me and become friends, like, you guys are a part of, you know, what I do every day. So, Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. And uh, like I said, you and I uh, should talk a little bit about my comic, Zombie Destroyers. Maybe we can work a little something out, a little uh, maybe variant cover of some kind. Let's chit-chat, but thank you. I appreciate it, Dominic. And again, everybody check them out. Uh, I'll definitely post a link in your bio, in my, of your bio into my feed, so check out Dominic Glover, guys. Thanks again. Thank you. And thanks again, Dominic, so I'll definitely be in touch, and you guys got to check out his stuff. It's beautiful. Like, I can't express like how lovely the framework looked on each and every picture that he does. He's, it's very professional, very legit, and the guy's just trying to break in, so help him out and check out Dominic Glover, the Dominic Glover on Instagram is where I just hit him up and found him there. Next up, I actually met a guy named Spencer Stark, and he's the writer of his independently published comic book called Roots, with art by Ryan Richmond. And it's like a twisted Alice in Wonderland meets Lord of the Rings. There's this young woman that awakens in this very unique, strange land, and her feet are rooted into the ground. And that's just the start of the story. So it definitely caught my eye, and I gravitated to his booth, and I guess issue, issue number one just came out, which I managed to get and have him autograph. But check out Roots. It's definitely an indie title, and you can see Spencer Stark, uh, and his he spells his name S-P-E-N-S-E-R, Stark, S-T-A-R-K-E. 
and at Ryan Richmond underscore art. You can check them both out and again look up their comic book called Roots. Definitely interesting, has a very unique color palette. It's just so bright and purple and, and all these, these strange, very bright colors that are mixed together, so it's very appealing to the eye and super tight art in this. I was really impressed with Ryan Richmond's art. Check it out, but uh, really enjoyed having a nice little conversation with them, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Uh, that is Roots. Check it out again. That's Spencer Stark and Ryan Richmond. You can, uh, I think you can get it now on their website. So yes, go check it out. That I'll leave a link, of course, in the show notes. You can check it out. And also the little interesting and last thing that I, that I really caught my attention at Long Beach Comic Con was kind of a unique little diamond in the rough kind of situation. I met an artist named Michelle D. Reese, and you can find her on her website, Michelle D. Reese, R-E-E-S-E dot com. And she has this very unique art style that is inspired from classical music like Rachmaninoff. She comes from a musical family and it's her art is very unique. It's like Monet and Van Gogh. It's that classical art, you know, oil coloring style and it's very unique and has its own sort of visual language that I love and you can tell that she's inspired by like uh, olden days Japanese art and all kinds of things. She has a, a unique palette of inspirations but she was a super kind lady and we had a great conversation and she's really just trying to get her art out there and do some unique fun things that she enjoys but I have to give props and tell her hello and also please go check out her website Michelle D. Reese. Com. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's my closing of Long Beach Comic Con. It was a great time. Looking forward to the stuff that's coming up again very soon. Late October is the Stanley Los Angeles Comic Con, formerly called Kamikaze Con. But all kinds of stuff coming up, and I'll talk about them as we get closer. But next up, also the next thing in my nerd brain, was Game of Thrones Season 7. And uh, just semi-spoilerish alert, of course, I won't be spoiling it, but... In my opinion, in, I'm just dumbfounded by it. It's my favorite. It's the best of all of the seven of the season so far of Game of Thrones. It's just been. It has a different look. It's got a bigger budget feel. They really just spend more time and money and detail with those epic landscape shots. I mean, you could tell they 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 spent more time filming on location in places, or at least making them look a lot more real. And, I mean, even the outfits in this season just seem to be upgraded and given a much more, you know, intricate attention to detail with sigils and so on. It just seems everything is sort of upgraded about it. All the episodes are like an hour and a half long or longer. And uh, it's just been hands down, uh, binge worthy, could not get enough of it. Sad that it's gone. Sundays don't feel the same now that Game of Thrones is gone. There were only seven episodes, eight episodes. There weren't enough, honestly. But at the same time, you got tons of content with the longer episodes. But by far the absolute... It just seems like Game of Thrones got better from each season as they went along. Because we're go my wife and I are going back and watching season one. And it's like still super good. But every season just got a little bit better and raised the stakes and changed in, 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 in small, subtle ways, but kept the story interesting and it moved so well. So it's amazing that they've compacted uh, Mr. Martin's giant opuses into these shows because there's just a ton of information there. But as, say, Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings... He's really able to, you know, the directors and the, all of HBO, I know that there's a lot of people, I mean a gigantic cast of people, they've really done a great job of encapsulating and getting the heart and the core of that is Game of Thrones and presenting it in such a beautiful way and it seems like 
as time has gone, gone along, they probably get more viewers, they've just put more money into it, and it just looks better and better as every episode goes along. And I love it from the soundtrack, the sound of it, the sound effects, the visual presentation. Uh, it's all improving, getting better, and sad to see that and hear that Season 8 will be the end of the end of the end. But who knows? There is, of course, that we've all heard the talk about them bringing a prequel into a potential HBO series or something. So we haven't seen the last of Game of Thrones in visual media. And I know that uh, Book 8, I guess, of Game of Thrones is sometime coming in the near future. So who knows? Maybe they have to do another season or maybe they lined it all up perfectly. Uh, who knows? But I'm a big fan. I love it. Watch Game of Thrones if you haven't seen it. Um, it's very adult in nature if you don't know anything about Game of Thrones, which is hard to, hard, it's hard to miss. It, it is a juggernaut of a show that everyone's sort of talking about. Even people that I know that just aren't into uh, swords and sorcerers and fantasy type type things, they're watching Game of Thrones. And so it's really well done, well acted. You have just top-notch actors in it. I cannot recommend it enough. Go and watch yourself some Game of Thrones. You'll be happy you did. And the, also, another thing just lodged into my nerd brain is a uh, happy birthday, 100th birthday to Jack the King Kirby. That's right. August 29th, uh, 2017 is his 100th birthday, which is insane. He is uh, my personal favorite art, by the way, of, of, of Jack the King Kirby is Silver Surfer. It always has been. He just has this just this galactic, insane, just bonkers space galactic Marvel feel and I just love the chiseled, his chiseled art, and it really speaks to you. It's so clean, and the lines are so perfect, but I mean, he is the, the, the iconic comic book godfather character that we all grew up on, and he made comics look the way they are now. He is responsible for that, I believe, truly, and it, it, at the very least, shaping all of Marvel Comics for, for generations. And, I mean, he is uh, the that comic book creator. I know that he not only just drew a lot of them, but he helped create them. And he really had this unique vision. I mean, he's such a visionary that really, like I said, just just burned the image of comics into our mind to just be a, a strong powerhouse force in the world of pop culture. So it's all because of Mr. Jack Kirby. And I love his unique paneling style, his hyper-attention to detail combined with that weird eye that he has of making panels look interesting. I mean, no one does it like Jack Kirby, but thank you. Happy birthday, Mr. Kirby, Mr. Jack the King Kirby, and uh, we miss you, but uh, thank you for your influence. Thank you for all that you've done to making comic books what they are today. So yes, paying homage to the master, Jack Kirby. And the last thing that's on my nerd brain is that I'm actually writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yeah, that's right. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the writing, uh, the coloring and the lettering, and my friend jo Jordan Hudson is doing his amazing, beautiful art. Please check him out on Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is inspiring. Always has been. It's beautiful. Thank you, Jordan. And I also just recently posted some samples of my comic book, Zombie Destroyers, on sunspotscomics.com. So just go over there and check it out. It's the cover and pages one through four are on sunspotscomics.com. Just click on Zombie Destroyers to check them out. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. I submitted page 25 to Jordan and we've sort of collectively decided that it looks like it's page 25 is going to have to actually be page 25 and 26. So it could lengthen issue number one to 33 pages, which is fine. I'm doing it my way. I'm self-publishing. I'm going to tell the story the way I've wanted to tell one uh, since I was a little kid. So I'm just so very humbled and blessed and glad that I'm doing it. And it's so rewarding in so many ways. 
But yeah, just due to the giant scale and the importance of the weapon presentation on page 25, we're going to have to expand page 25 to 25 and 26. So there's just a little Zombie Destroyer update. So we do hope to release Zombie Destroyers in late this year is what we're shooting for. So we hope to get that out to you. So please go put your eyes on it, sunspotscomics.com, and just click on Zombie Destroyers. And next up, just a quick mention of a segment that I call Spotlighting. And Spotlighting is where I get the chance to sit down and have a nice little nerdy chit-chat with independent comic book creators. Some that are struggling to get there and trying to break into comics and some that are already doing it. If you go to the feed and check out some past episodes, you can see in the feed where I've had some fantastic interviews with a ton of people in the comic book business and it's been so much fun. And I try to really just harness what I want to know about these people and try to make it interesting and fun. So I'm super proud of the interviews. I always get great feedback from all the people I've had interviews from and sat down and had these little nerdy chit chats. So check out the feed. And if you yourself are a creator and you want to sit down and have a little talk with me and you're a writer, an artist, a colorist, a letterer, it doesn't matter. You're in comic books or trying to get into comic books. Just send me a review copy of your work or hit me up on any social media. My email, by the way, is chris at sunspotscomics.com. So yeah. Hit me up, and you and I will sit down and have a nice little talk about comic books. That's right. So now on to my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, August 30th. And semi-spoiler-ish alert. Semi-spoiler-ish. Really, you don't have to worry about anything there, true believers. I just ultimately try to harness my powers of persuasion and inspire you to buy these comic books and read them without spoiling them. So I really never ever discuss the last few pages of a comic and I only cover just some of the interesting points in a comic. But just in case, you've been warned, semi-spoilerish alert. And also to read everything, to see everything that I've been reading, my in all my favorite picks of the week ever since I started this thing back in 2015, just go over to uh, sunspotscomics.com and click on pull list You'll see that uh, right now I'm up to 107 titles that I'm reading on a regular basis. And you can see what that is right on sunspotscomics.com. Click on Top Comic Books of the Week and you'll see all of my past top picks. It's just simplified. I just update the, the site every single week. But it's right there, easily cataloged and simple for you to see all the best of the best of the best of the best comic books that have come out. All the new stuff. I do occasionally talk about the old stuff, but for the most part, I focus on all the new stuff coming out. And there's a lot of it. And every single week, by the way, I pick an artist winner and a cover artist winner. This week it's one in the same person. It's Joelle Jones for her beautiful, lovely, insanely detailed work on the Dark Horse title Lady Killer, volume number two, issue five of five. And man, oh man, the eyes, the eyeballs that she can draw. No one does it better than Joelle Jones. It's so easy to just kind of get lost in looking into those eyes of all the characters that she, that she draws. Lady Killer is, I mean, it's its like a workshop in how comic book artists need to draw eyes. So uh, listen in, folks. If you're a comic book artist, go look at the way Joelle Jones draws eyes. It's inspiring. It's amazing. It's so hyper-detailed. They emote so perfectly. That's thats really what it's all about. You can draw the, the best eyes, but if you don't use them properly and pair them with the right emotion on the face, it goes to waste. She definitely emotes so perfectly with amazing detail. And I love all the way her panels are framed and it has this unique kind of framework that she does. It really just makes the action on each page, page feel very fluid and connects just so very well. I love even the subtle 
like I guess well maybe not subtle but sometimes the dramatic changes uh, of colors when she needs to add like a kind of startling effect it really pays off where she'll go from like a light orange hues to, to like a very bright and just blinding orange hue to just kind of like I said give you that uh, jump scare kind of feel but uh, Joelle Jones beautiful artist easily artist winner of the week the end of this arc that is Lady Killer uh, volume 2 number 505 just go put your eyeballs on it go look at the eyeballs she's drawing and then if you're an artist draw those eyeballs because uh, <laughs> it'll all pay off trust me and her cover is amazing uh, ridiculous there is uh, of course the main character standing in the center framed by ultimately a white background which I love when that happens it's not every time but a lot of times it really just brings forward this beautiful just stark image and that's what happens here she's standing wearing all black she has these sort of hazel green eyes that are just alluring if you stare into the eyes it's it's you'll just get lost and the way that the blood is sort of splattered on the back of the page is sort of filled in with flowers of all kinds so it has this gruesome blood-like effect but at the same time it's 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 sort of fadedly sort of transparently drawn flowers all filling in where the blood spattering is so it just has this unique interesting effect she has blood all over her gloves but nowhere else and she is just staring into your very soul you have to see it it's absolutely stunning stunning cover art gorgeous 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 by joelle jones easily the cover winner artist of the week go look at it joelle jones you can find her by the way at joelle jones on everything and the breakdown I actually got 16 comics this week and only six of them made it to the great ones comic book uh, recommendations list so not that preferred 50% but they still are some powerhouses here of comic book goodness that you're gonna love and new number ones this week there was only one money penny but it did not make the great ones list so I always break it down and tell you the new number ones and this week there was only one with Money Penny, kind of a one-shot spin-off of the Money Penny of the James Bond series, but it did not make it. It was okay. It was just all right. But uh, there are more new number ones coming out next week, so I do hope they make the countdown next week. So there you go. There's the breakdown. Now let's get into my comic book top comic book recommendations again for New Comic Book Day, August 30th. And these ones are the greatest of the greats, folks. I really read them a bunch of times. I want to make sure that you're getting top-notch A-plus level comics here, and that's what we try to do at Sunspots Comics. So onto the list, onto the six comics that made it. Here we go. So coming in at number six is from Dark Horse Comics. This is Rebels, These Free and Independent States, issue number six of eight. And what's kind of interesting was this issue number six is a one-shot of a new character in a brand new arc, which the other arc ended in the one through five and then right here six is just a single one shot of uh, the sort of mythological tale of George Washington in his younger days and I have to read you their blurb that paints such a beautiful setting that is rebels and it's a bit of historical fiction is the way they call it where someplace the timing and events have been compressed or altered to fit the story this is the tale of George Washington in his American mythology, but few stories talk of his early years spent commanding Virginian forces in the Ohio River Valley when he was young, entitled, and completely reckless. So what a great setting. This is written by Brian Wood, and this is art by Andrea Moody. And the colors, if this is the same colorist as before, it's really taken a darker, richer, just more vibrant look in the coloring, and, and I think that fits very well and is a good thing to do when you're starting a brand new arc with a brand new character. So 
Uh, Lauren Affy is the colorist. I apologize if you've done it before, but you change things up here. Maybe it's a new colorist. I have to go look back at the previous issues, but it's just the dark, rich, realistic coloring. Um, and art by Andrea Moody is just very classical, so fitting for a, 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 a story of fictional history. But this is the story of George Washington and a small band of redcoats, British redcoats, because yes, that's how George Washington start, started out. Uh, look in Wikipedia him if you need to, <laughs> George Washington. But he's just ultimately trying to trek across one particular valley, and he is bribing an Indian chief to make it across this land safely. And he's making a very grandiose um, bargain here, and way over-promising this Indian chief more guns than he will ever need or would need to start up a, a revolt <laughs> against the British. So you already know that in this setting, he there's no way he could be honest about what he's really promising here. But he lays it on kind of thick and tells these Indians that here's a, a small bit of what I have and I'll give you the rest later, I promise, in a ton of other words. But you just know there's no way he can keep this promise. That he's promising way too many guns and muskets, etc. and ammunition. But as they trek their way uh, across wherever they're trekking to, they run across this small sort of outpost of French soldiers. And George Washington is sort of conflicted in his decision, but uh, he decides to attack this this French outpost. And the outcome here has uh, definitely has a ripple effect. And what I thought also was interesting here is he he has slaves, and I know that's a just a, an in, a just a delicate thing to write into into comic books but it seems realistic but at the same time um he's he sort of treats them with dignity and respect and he even has uh, one of his slaves as just he's there along these these battling in militias and etc as just a historian so he's he's taught him how to read and write etc and corrects his english when needed be but has him there to sort of document things as kind of a you know as a reporter but anyway delicate subject i know with with that and it's handled you know as as well as it could be trying to be historically accurate but yeah it's it's just a, a like i said it's a great little um you know fantasy what if kind of story with george washington in his younger days and it's done so well and i hope there's more of it but it does seem like it's a one shot but yeah if you um are interested in history in any way shape or form pick this up and it inspired me to go and look up uh, the younger years of George Washington. And Brian Wood has done his homework. It definitely reflects on some of the things that were that are here that he could have been doing in this certain particular couple of years. But hats off to you, Brian Wood, for giving us something that feels very realistic and grounded in some sort of reality to George Washington's potential past. But yeah. What he does with this outpost with with the French and the repercussions of that, all very interesting, and uh, the, the great last four or five pages that really they're action packed. It picks up a great pace here, and I just thought it's just a neat little you know fictional glimpse into the life of George Washington. Very interesting. I really dug it. Go get this. And the previous arc was wonderful, but this little one shot stands alone all by itself. Rebels, these free and independent states, issue number six. Go get it. Great standalone uh, series or story. You're going to love it. But coming in at number five is from Boom Studios. It's Destroyer. And this is Destroyer is brought to you by writer Victor Lavalle and illustrated by Dietrich Smith. And I have to tell you, being in issue number four, I was really surprised at the art sort of kicked up a notch here. 
this is the story of uh, sort of in on the heels of Frankenstein in the homage of that if you will there is a new character that's created by this woman who is potentially within the Frankenstein bloodline and there is actually Frankenstein in this and this is kind of the clashing of Frankenstein and our, our new character destroyer who is a modern Frankenstein if you will younger version in the Frankenstein woman here Miss Lady Frankenstein has brought back her son who uh, was tragically killed and she is this amazing sort of biotechnician and in 2001 she meets her husband boyfriend baby father and it's ultimately a little tale of them meeting each other and how she is this just lab rat but yet this guy sort of chisels away at her very cold exterior uh, to eventually their love blossoms and I loved that aspect of it it was just so well done it really felt uh, genuine and realistic and drawn beautifully like I said Dietrich Smith just uh, kicked it up a notch here it's gorgeous 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 but beyond that too it's just this action-packed series there's this insane lab deep within the earth in Montana run by Lady Frankenstein that's not her name but that's what I'm gonna call her in this set in modern day and the way they've drawn Frankenstein here is unique in its own way. It's kind of a, it's a trippy, unique look, and I really enjoy it. And it's really a clash between the Destroyer and Lady, the Bride of Frankenstein, if you will. And how they present her is so unique and cool. Uh, it really surprised me. And they definitely have put a nice twist on the whole Frankenstein genre. So if you even barely like Frankenstein, grab this. Or if you just want a great science fiction lab, you know, life re... Or, <laughs> reanimated kind of story that's what you're going to get here and it's a ton of fun but like i said grounded in uh, a mother's love for her son that passed away tragically and now she resurrects him and also this this origin story of their of her and her husband's love for each other which like i said felt very genuine and very realistic but ton of fun destroyer i've been enjoying every single one i think of the four issues i think at least two of them beyond before this have been on the top pick list so it's doing really well i'm super enjoying it again boom studios uh victor lavalle's destroyer check it out but coming in at number four is from scout comics another indie publisher which i love and it's mindbender issue number three brought to us by the writings of james pruitt and illustrated by federico de luca and he does the coloring as well and I gotta say, a heartfelt thank you to Mr. James Pruitt. He heard that I reviewed, I think, issue number one on a previous podcast and sent me an autographed copy of issue number three, which was so beautifully timed because my local comic book shop failed me, which I will not name, and just oopsed on <laughs> Mindbender issue number three. So this is late. I do, I think it came out a couple weeks ago, but thank you, Mr. James Pruitt for sending me an autographed copy of Mindbender issue number three. And please, folks, check out uh, Scout Comics. You can check them out on everything at Scout Comics. And he, uh, Mr. Pruitt, doesn't really have uh, too much social media, but he does have an Instagram there at Pruitt5631. That's P-R-U-E-T-T. -T. Uh, but just go check out Scout Comics. They're doing some great stuff. Some great stuff's coming. But my personal favorite right now from Scout Comics is Mindbender. And this is a strange sort of telling of this story of this very kind of almost omnipotently powered person, much like in the in the realm of, say, Dr. Manhattan is kind of what it reminds me um, of that, that sort of character or a just highly powered sort of mutant. 
that is a uh, was living sort of cat catatonically and there was this woman that was watching him that felt like he would maybe one day come to life and he's in this catatonic sort of state because when he became his powers became active he he destroyed his parents and that's an issue one he deals with the aftermath of that and kind of sprinkled into all three of these issues but this is where definitely um his powers are strange they're mind-bending where our main character sort of breaks through to the other side uh this this upside down world this this negative world this strange sort of other dimension the in-between world universe whatever it may be called they don't have a name for it per se i don't think no there is this um this faction this underground uh you know, organization that knows about this, that knows about children that can sometimes have this power and make it to the other world. And I forgot what they call it, but it is sort of just quickly named here. Like this, uh, there's been another breach to the other side in the, the phantom universe. <laughs> but anyway, this is not so mind bendingly trippy that it's, that it can't be, that it's not coherent in, in its storytelling. It is definitely uh, easy to follow and has a linear-like feel to it. There are some flashbacky stuff, but it's done so lovingly well. And at one point, he even sort of walks through, glimpses, passes through a dimensional barrier to where he's in a hospital and relieves this, uh, maybe she's in a coma or she's, you know, deeply unconscious of some sort and heals this woman. And... Even so, you know he has a he has a heroic heart, and I love that about this character, because he has, you know, little control over sort of what he's doing, and he's sort of like I said, bouncing between this other dimension and such. But this is so beautifully drawn, definitely uh, um, an art contender. It just also seems like we're on issue three, and the art gets better. I mean, even the cover, oh, I love it. Just so many purples and yellows. And this silhouetting style with all these hands coming at our primary character. But it is gorgeous, folks. It's very dark, very noir-like feeling. But it is ultimately of this underground faction that is going after our character that is now out of his catatonic state, state and bouncing around through dimensions. And there's also this sort of vagrant or, or bum that seems to know a lot about our main character or people like him. So, uh, that's right, they call it the Void. The subject has entered the Void. We have a breach. They broke on through the other side. But anyway, um, so I love it. I dig it. It's it's interestingly colored. It's dark and noir-like feel, but it's mind-bender. And I, I got to see where this goes. Again, it's just this very high-powered individual that is trying to get a handle on what he's doing in his life and living with the ghosts of, of being haunted by he is the reason his parents met their demise because of his uh, awakening of his powers but mindbender love it go check it out go see it scout comics james pruitt excellent stuff bud keep it up but now here we go into the top three comics this week man it was a great week of comics because all six of these really i could have i bounced through them through the countdown i mean any one of them could have been number one and number two it was tough to rank them this week normally it comes very easy to me but here we go now breaking into the top three so coming in at number three is Saga, issue number 46. And I tell you, from issue 43, it just seems like Saga keeps getting better and better and better. Maybe there were a few in there from, say, I don't know, 39 to, to 42 that were maybe kind of uh, meandering around a little bit, possibly. But they were still very good for Saga. But uh, jump in at 43, and 43 is where... 
our primary characters here, Alana and uh, Marco, that's right, are, uh, I'm so bad with names, I'm impressed that came right to me all of a sudden. And and of course, this story lovingly being told by their by their daughter Hazel from sometime way in the future, possibly? I've just got this feeling Hazel's like a very old woman. But in the comics, she's, you know, a toddler, or I don't know, four or five years old. And it's gone western from issue 43, and they're trying to find a place to do a very late abortion for their dead child deep within Alana. So... Heavy stuff, I know. Every time I just describe what's happening currently in Saga, I cringe. It's like, yeah, it's it's heavy stuff, and it's all over the place, and it's a strange little weird sci-fi adventure with this Romeo and Juliet-like feel to it, very Shakespearean. But the opening sequence here where Prince robots, so there's this uh, robot race that has this very Terminator 2000-like uh, formable metal you know, appendages and a television for a head is helping uh, Petricor, I hate trying to pronounce her name, but she is this older uh, woman that is sort of the protector right now that's traveling with them, I think is related to Marco, if if I remember, I've even kind of lost that thread, but she has kind of this motherly-like, she is this motherly-like figure for our group here, that's ultimately just trying to stay alive as this war between two factions, two planets, uh, is does not allow the commingling of uh, and marriage or 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 mating or having children of people with these two different races. So they're ultimately on the run from the the government powers that are them, and they're just trying to stay alive. And this, like I said, goes very western, and it's very much into what happens when they finally make their way to this very scary late abortion type place that's that's run by wolves ultimately by a talking anthropomorphic wolf and yeah that's easy to just trust and walk in the door and say yeah please create have this massive surgery and take out you know my baby that's passed that's inside of me (laughs) yeah anyway but yeah there's this very high tense situation here where they're inside this home run by wolves and you know marco's very concerned with losing alana in this uh, she's now kind of unconscious. And so the tension's very high in this, and I really felt it. Paired with this insane moment where their the baby that's passed, or maybe not quite passed within Alana, has projected itself or its spirit outside of her body and is talking to Hazel. Like, hey, big sister, and having this conversation. So it's a strange set of emotions that goes through with like, wow, this... This Hazel, this, you know, however she may be, five, whatever years old, is having this conversation with the spirit of her very soon-to-be-dead sibling. And, yeah, that's just nuts, right? That's out there. But that is what Saga is all about, so go get Saga. It is fantastic stuff. Beautiful art by Fiona Staples. This, of course, is written by one of the masters uh, for all time in comics, Brian K. Vaughn. Can't go wrong with reading anything that he creates. A fantastic, wonderful, multi-Eisner winning team here with Saga. So go check it out. Uh, can't believe it's been going on since 2012. It's already been five years. Nuts. But um, buy them in trade. Buy them in collection. Buy them in massive omnibus uh, collection. Just do it. Saga's worth it. It's worth your time, worth your money, worth your eyes and your heart and your soul. It's good, fun, sci-fi, western madness. <laughs> that is Saga. Anyway, coming in at number two uh, from uh, Dark Horse Comics. This is our artist winner and cover art winner with Joelle Jones on story and art. Yeah, she does it all here. Colors by Michelle Madsen. Lady Killer, issue number five of five. The end of this arc. They did have a previous arc, which is glorious. Go get that. Volume two, 
was better. I mean, even that was fantastic. This is even better. But this is the action-packed, super action-packed winner of the week. This feels like it's going to be a movie. It's just so beautifully framed. And each page is just like another mouth-dropping page full of Joel Jones's art that is just so lovingly detailed. But this opening sequence is nuts. It shows our character as a young girl living in just squalor in this shack. And her mother is just very down on her luck. And she's talking about her husband in past tense. And the jaw-dropping end of this sequence uh, was surprising, horrifying, and amazingly drawn. All those things wrapped into one here. And our main character, who is this, this housewife, this, this housewife with this secret assassin side life, um, her mother-in-law knows all about it and is very much trying to um, be a part of her demise. <laughs> but now she has come head-to-head with the person that was her cleaner before, after she does her assassinations. She was this, with this whack job of a guy named Irving that was her cleaner. Whatever now, she's crossed his code and he is hell-bent on destroying her and everyone that she knows. And it's like this 70-year-old man, too, that's this insane assassin. I think he would be played... By like played super well by like Clint Eastwood. He just has this dirty hairy kind of feel and look. He's wearing a suit and has a high caliber weapon as he comes to attack this family. And she has two little daughters of their own and they're trying to keep them safe or hidden or away. And it is just a, a, a just a regular sort of three bedroom home. And it's Irving versus Lady Killer and the mother in law is mixed into this. And there's, I mean, it's just gun mayhem and. And body parts flying off and and cars being driven into people. It's just action-packed mass hysteria and murder, <laughs> ultimately. And in the end was a super surprise. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, you got to read Volume 1. There is a little bit of a tie-in somewhere in this that I don't want to spoil. But, man, it has this very nostalgic 40s, 50s, that clean-cut Americana look and feel, Rockwellian feel to it. But uh, Joel Jones, just masterful classman in art here. It is something rather beautiful. I love the action streak lines that she used constantly. And then, like I said, these striking color changes that really add this sort of jump effect, if you will. Or it's just sort of startling, but so well done. It's just beautiful stuff. Go check out Lady Killer. Um, top notch. I can't just, you just got to go get it. It's beautiful. Action packed too. What a, what a like solid way to end a five-issue arc, Joelle Jones. Beautiful stuff. And I got an, a, a beautiful, just a sketch from her a long time ago. Not that long, a couple years ago from a con, which I hold very uh, very dear to my heart. It's just, her art is amazing. But thank you, Joelle Jones, for Lady Killer. Can't wait till the next arc. I know there's, she's taking a break. Her art takes a long time. But I'll be there for Lady Killer Volume 3 whenever it comes out. I'm in. But here we go now, breaking into the number one, the one that beat them all, the one that was the best of the best. Honestly, though, it just could have been a six-way tie this week. They were all so good. But the one that edged them all out was Zojacon, issue number three, no, two, from Vault Comics. And this is lovingly written by Colleen Kelly and Jackson Lansing with lovely, lovely, wonderful, unique, and twisted reality look and art from Nathan Gooden. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And art by Vittorio Estone. A lot of pinks, a lot of ethereal colors and splattering starlight effects and so on. Just hyper, hyper attention to detail. And and also Nathan Gooden's sort of very twisted reality feel. I just love it. From all the strange, unique, and weird colors. But 
This right here is our... I'll read the little blurbs shortly. The fledgling society looking for her guidance. Uh, Shannon Kind, who are, is our main character here, she ultimately just awakens in this weird land. Time keeps sort of jumping forward and skipping and taking her to the future. She's ultimately trying to stay alive in issue number one and try to find a way to, to, to drink fluids and eat food and stay alive. And she's having these weird flashbacks of a son that looks like um, is not alive, but you're not sure. Her flashbacks are a little um, vague to kind of nicely pace the mystery that's happening here and she starts out where the land is very simple and it seems like she's leaping forward you know many years hundreds of years maybe thousands of years and this small organism that's food ends up turning into like her her minions her followers and it's very much like a a metaphor for religion for me in this it's it's kind of like how a society or a group of people can falsely interpret the teachings of a deity. That's what's happening here. That's what is Zojikon. And by the way, thank you for the folks at Vault for correcting me on how to properly pronounce it. Because it's spelled weird. It's Z-O-J-A-Q-A-N. But it is Zojikon. Zojikon. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I was just messing that all kinds of ways when I was reviewing issue number one. But this uh, takes some leaps in time. This ultimately does have some examples of how these, these groups of organisms are sort of taking the very few things she said to them as sort of teaching and gospel and they're twisting it slowly as this issue goes along and you see what happens when these time jumps are affecting things but it also is very much she's is she in purgatory is she actually a god they're creating statues of her already and and carving trees into her likeness like she's now at a point to where they're learning language and then learning you know just rudimentary ways to protect themselves and to and to create fire and to, to to hunt and to be organized and have a sort of a set of society rules and yet then every time when she just starts to sort of get things going she leaps forward in time again and they have to sort of figure things out because their god is gone and i just dig that that's something unique and fresh and that i haven't seen in a long time but great concept for a comic i love it love it love it and there are these sort of purple monsters that show up from time to time that they're ultimately having this problem with. And they're, it, it first is very much, well, like, protect and, you know, and use them for food. And now as they evolve and they become more intelligent, it's more of go on the offensive and attack. They are our enemies and starting a war. And it seems like it's very much in, you know, they're saying here too, again, sort of a metaphor into the people of today that, you know, that, that ultimately this... This, these these uh, these humanoid-like creatures in this whatever strange land are ultimately flawed and by by their very nature is to war and to separate and to hurt each other and she very quickly wants to amend that and get them get the ship you know going in the right direction and so she's never sure how long she's going to stay so she's quickly trying to teach them really quickly like no this is wrong and she's coming up with her own like sort of 10 commandments and this is how you need to live and like she's kind of rushing through it because she's not sure if she's going to leave again but there's some interesting twisted things here that happen at the end that i don't, I don't want to waste or spoil of course got to see what happens but zojicon something fresh new and interesting and so beautifully drawn and i can't wait to see what is going to happen to this character is she in this other dimension is she in a dream world is she where is she how did she get there? What happened? And and these flashbacks of her sort of father and flashbacks of her son. Where are they? What happened to them? I mean, she's now at this point, you know, tens of thousands of years old in her own sort of where she is. But 
who knows how grounded in reality that is. But I love that is Zojikon. That's what it does. It's a mind-twisting, mind-bending kind of all fantasy, science fiction-y, purgatory, religious metaphor. It's all in there, folks. Get Zojikon. It's crazy. It's just amazing good. But there you go. There it is, folks. That's podcast. Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 122. Please, someone lock the vault door. Yes. So those are my new comic book recommendations this week for new comic book day, August 30th. Please go to a local comic book shop and buy these immediately. Tell them Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. That's right. Do it. I dare you. If you have any questions, comments, or you want a personal comic book recommendation, email me directly. Chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email, discuss it on a future podcast, I will send you a little something, a little comic book prize for me as a little thank you. But also please sign up for our email newsletter at sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And tune in next week for issue number 123 of the podcast where I'll be reading a list of 13 comics, not too many, light list for September 6th with four new number ones coming out. So potentially 17 comics. I though I know it's the holiday though as well. So Labor Day being tomorrow that it doesn't look like uh, that the Diamond is fully updated their comic book list. But um, it looks like there's only like 300 something coming out next week, which is a very low list of new comics coming out but right now it's 13 so here's a little quick pick a quick peek of some of the comics that are coming out next week that i'll be reading and potentially discussing with you if they meet that criteria being the best of the best new comics but in no particular order we have superman issue number 30 uh predators hunters issue number five motor crush number six i've been enjoying that there was a little bit of a break this is a new story arc for motor crush good time to jump in coming up heathen issue number six which has been amazing. Uh, that's from Vault Comics as well. Uh, Elsewhere, issue number two from Image. Darth Vader number five. I've been loving that Darth Vader series. Interested to see where he's going now since he was on the hunt for a new lightsaber, for his lightsaber, and how he gets that and corrupts the Kyber Crystal. But that's just a little... Oh, and Walking Dead number 171, all coming out next week, September 6th. So there you go. There's a little quick peek into some of the amazing new comics coming out next week. So definitely join us. For issue number 123 coming out next week. So it's going to be another amazing week of comics, folks. Just tune in, subscribe, listen, tell a nerd friend to check out Sunspots Comics. We really appreciate your time. We hope you got something out of it and, and got to read some amazing comics. So go get them. Thank you so much for listening. If you really enjoyed the podcast, you want to give a little something back, just hit us up on iTunes, give us five stars and a nice little positive review. And I'll personally thank you and read it on a future podcast right here. That's right. And personally thank you and mail you a little comic book fun stuff. So thank you very much again. Until next week, please spend some time with the ones that you love, especially if they're nerdy, and be like water, my friends. Catch you next week. Bye-bye. Let's not do that. That would be bad. Let's be careful with stuff and things, all right? Because a day destroys the night. Night divides the day.